House come to order if members can take their seats. This budget is a huge job maker, and the number one solution to economic insecurity is a job. Hungry children can't learn, and it's our responsibility to try to help. Equality and opportunity. I believe most people are here because they want to do some good. Well, you found the Tuesday, February 4th edition of Capital Ideas from the Washington State House Democrats. It's the podcast where members of the Majority Democratic Caucus in the Washington State House sit down at the Capitol and talk about ideas. We're talking today about data privacy, that is, your right as a consumer to keep private the things about your data usage that you want to. In a minute, we'll hear from Representative Shelley Kloba, who feels strongly about that right. And as vice chair of the House Innovation, Technology, and Economic Development Committee, she's in a position to do something about it. Shelley lives in Kirkland, Washington, and was sent to Olympia by the constituents of the 1st Legislative District. We recorded this on Monday, February 3, 2020, and here's the gist of it. Welcome, Representative Shelley Kloba. Thanks for coming back to Capital Ideas for another conversation. Well, I'm happy to be here, Dan. Last time you were here, we talked about some of the details of implementing the Legal Cannabis Initiative and specifically having to do with things like delivery of medical marijuana. That's been about a year, and we now are going to talk about something completely different, if it's okay with you, which has to do with your interest and activism in the field of consumer data privacy. You have written and introduced several pieces of legislation that are all geared basically to help us keep private what we would like to keep private in a world in which it's increasingly difficult to keep anything private. Right. Well, I do have to share the credit where it's due. I am privileged to work on the Innovation, Tech, and Economic Development Committee, which is seven women, two men, and led by Chair Hudgens. And it has really been a team effort on this data privacy issue and all of the different aspects of it. And the passion comes from the fact that for too long, companies have had free reign to just harvest so much of your data that's just a product of your everyday life, where you go, what you look at on the web, all kinds of minutiae. And as we really had some a big bill last year that Senator Carlisle uh, sponsored in the Senate and I have the companion in the House, we didn't complete that conversation. That bill didn't make it across the line. And so it gave us some time to really check in over the interim with consumers as well as other stakeholders in this space and really try to hone in on what it is that we're trying to do. And, you know, I like to explain to people that there's there's data that we know that people have been collecting about us for years. Banks, for instance, have for a very long time exchanged information. You know, we give them our home address and our income information and they assess the risk for loaning us money and then we arrange to pay them back. And that data is very primary. It's essential to that transaction. 
But what about in today's day and age, which ATMs do you use? And when you go on their website to search for things, what are you searching for? And any number of different things. That first kind of data that I talked about, that's very primary, that is often very well regulated at the federal level. And whether that's educational data or we're all we know what the, the initials HIPAA, uh, that's an act that protects our medical data. Um, so we have some very good long-standing federal regulations on that primary data. But what about that second part? It seems like it might not be that big of a deal where I go and what I do or which ATMs I'm using, but when you put together all of the pieces of data, all those little dots, it's almost like a pointillist painting. It really paints a picture about who we are, what we like, what we're doing. And that stuff, I think, is personal. And I think many consumers would say, I'm not comfortable with that being entirely unregulated and having who knows who knowing all of it or some of it about me. And so that's where the, the energy around this comes from and how do we regulate and restore that balance of power back to the consumer because right now uh, the companies collecting your data are holding all the power. I'm going to ask a question that I'm, I'm sure your answer is going to be no, but I want to ask it anyway. Is it too late? I am working this hard because I don't think it's too late. It's possible that maybe the data that's been collected already, you know, we don't have any control over what that, that has been collected, but we certainly can regulate how it's being used going forward. I think we are kind of leading the nation here in Washington in really taking a holistic look at all of this. A number of different states have nibbled around the edge of it and have passed some pieces of legislation. One, for instance, was Illinois regulated direct-to-consumer genetic data. So those companies that you either do a saliva, you know, a spit test or whatever, and you send in um, your DNA are genetic code. I think the most personal thing about any one of us. Those companies that do the direct-to-consumer genetic testing are doing some work that is laudable and has helped a lot of people connect with their genealogy and perhaps learn more about their health. But right now they are governed by kind of some a set of best practices that, you know, the good actors in the industry are following along and I applaud that. But what happens to a consumer when someone uh, they've given their data to a company that is unscrupulous and does not follow those best practices? So one of the things that we're trying to do in that uh, bill is to put in place the protections so that your data cannot be sold to or shared with um, your employer, a life insurance company, or a health insurance company, as you can imagine. There are some things that they could do with it if they had their hands on it. Now, there's a federal law that says those entities are not allowed to discriminate against you because of any genetic data that they have. But this is more of a belt and suspenders kind of approach. That's a term that I first learned here in Olympia, but it makes sense to me because it kind of regulates on both sides of that equation. Additionally, the consumer has to give their express consent for things like the way that they share it on their service. So you can think of something like a 23andMe and the website that they have and, and how you're able to share data and connect to other people. 
but it will also require express consent from the consumer in order to share with medical entities to do research. It's really important, but you might choose not to participate in that, and I think that that is up to the consumer. And so this is a bill that tries to increase the transparency around those things and give the consumer some control. Let me kind of backtrack for a moment and and say that obviously everybody is at some level concerned about the privacy of their data and we all have secrets. What is it about this issue that has caused you to devote so much of your time and your legislative energy to this? I know that uh, even during the interim you, you've arranged um, data privacy community coffees with people who want to come meet with you in an informal setting and share their, their feelings about these kinds of issues. Why this instead of some other issue that is also probably important to you? I think it has to do with the fact that this data is personal and it's collected in a way that most people are largely unaware of the specifics, even if they're aware that sort of generally everything they do is, is tracked. But it dawned on me one day that uh, for instance, I rely heavily on a mapping app on my phone, and it's connected to my calendar so that it's terribly convenient. I can just press and hold on uh, the location that is in my calendar of where my meeting is, and then up pops a map. It's terribly convenient. It'll let me know how long it's going to take me to get there. All of that's really great. Well, how do they do that? They do it because they collect geolocational data, very specific data about me during my whole trip. And then I started noticing at the end of the trip, it'll ask me how that was. And then it recognizes what it is that is my end destination, and it'll ask me about that. Well, pretty soon it's going to have a pretty good sense of where I go, what I do, who do I meet with, what's my favorite coffee shop, etc. Now, when I suddenly start getting marketed based on that, it just feels to me like I haven't had much control in that. And that type of data that, that I think is a very common experience for most people, what I recognized is I'm not paying for that service with cash. I'm not, you know, like in the bank example earlier, there's not a transaction there where the bank is loaning me money and taking my data and I'm paying them back with interest. There's a financial relationship to that. I don't have a financial relationship with the um, mapping software uh, application. So how am I paying for that? We all know nothing's free in life. You're I'm, the product. I am indeed the product. My data is valuable. And it just felt like consumers needed more protection from that. Whether or not they're aware, whether or not they've given up on the idea of ever having anything of their actions or activities that's um, just their own. And I, I don't imagine that people are trying to hide things. And, and I have heard that argument that, well, what do you need privacy for if you're not doing anything wrong? And my answer to that is, okay, if privacy is not important, how about you just hand over all your passwords to me and um, copy me on every single email that you send. If your privacy isn't important, of course nobody's going to do that. It's not because they're hiding anything. It's just because we fundamentally feel like it's none of your business. <laughs> so um, it, that's, that's what has been driving me. And, and I think we've really 
made some strides on the bill that we started with last year and Senator Carlisle has dropped in a new version and it continues to evolve and I sponsored the House Companion to that so that we can have the same conversation on both sides of the House. You can tell a whole lot about an idea or a piece of legislation by looking at who is opposed to it. So in the case of these, I know that sometimes it might be surprising. I, I noticed on one of your bills that one of the people or one of the entities that sent someone to testify in favor of it was Microsoft. But in general, a person could infer that the people who are opposed to these would be the people making money off of our private data. But you tell me, who's pushing back against these the most? Well, it's interesting when you look at our lists of people signed up to testify when we hear these types of bills. And you're absolutely correct. A lot of times it is corporations. Sometimes the flavor of it is we're already regulated by this other thing or we are not doing this behavior. We're the good guys. We're following rules that we've set up for ourselves. A lot of times it's it's things of that nature. Or there's a concern over, we don't know how this would be implemented, and there's some concern over how this would impact their business. But we also get opposition from consumer groups. And I think in the early iterations of this bill, we weren't hearing from the consumer groups. Largely, they're nonprofits. They're not as well resourced to study the issues and send people here. But this year, I have been really heartened to know that we have a number of different consumer-based groups, including some like Consumer Reports, which people are very familiar with, that have stepped up. And sometimes they're in opposition as well because they feel like it doesn't go far enough or we've left out this, that, or the other. And I know uh, Chair Hudgens uh, has said sometimes when everybody's unhappy with you, it's possible you're on the right track. But it's really been great to have this iterative conversation to work with all the different parties and try to come to that middle ground, that balance where we can do the best we can for consumers while making sure that companies can still do the work that they do and, and offer the products that we find so useful. Let's in there so that I can cut you loose, and I really do appreciate it. Representative Shelley Kloba of District 1, thank you for coming by, and we'll talk again soon. Okay, thank you, Dan. It's always a pleasure. That wraps up this edition of Capital Ideas. If you found it interesting and enlightening, or in this case, if it gave you the willies, you can and should subscribe to Capital Ideas at housedemocrats.wa.gov or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's why. This is your state government. What happens here matters a lot. The more you know about how it works, the better it can work for you, for your family, your business, your neighbors, for all of us. I'm Dan Frizzell for the Washington State House Democrats, putting people first since 1889. Thanks for listening.